All right, so if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to John 4. We're going right back to our, um, our scripture that we've been staying in with our sermon series. John 4, starting at verse 1. John 4, verse 1. It says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, that he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must need, won't you read this with me? And he must needs go through Samaria. Say, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Say, he couldn't afford shortcuts. Couldn't afford shortcuts. So our topic is beyond shortcuts, but today we're going to talk about God's word. You've got your Bible, hold it in the air. And I want you just to shout out, there's no shortcuts with this. There's no shortcuts with this. You can't get around this. What it says is black and white. There are no gray areas. It is his word. And today I'm thankful to have his word in my life. Amen. Has it changed you? Yes. Has it turned you around and reshaped you? Has it filtered your mind? Did it pick you up when you had fallen? Mm-hmm. His word is good, isn't it? I know we say God is good, but God's word is good. And all the time, God's word is good. Amen. Amen. Why don't you put your hands together as you're seated this morning. Give God praise and glory. Very thankful for the reports from this weekend of, um, almost said Youth Congress, but it wasn't Youth Congress. Midwinter, Midwinter thank you. Uh, it was a long weekend. <laughs> um, but very thankful for the reports that, we, that we're hearing, uh, what God did, and some of the videos I got to see, and just worshiping our kids, our young people in the altars, magnifying God. There's nothing greater to see than that right there. Amen. So I want us to, to look here beyond shortcuts. And the whole purpose of this is cultivating dis, uh, disciplines on the road to transformation. So that's why I'm doing this whole series is I want us to bring some disciplines into our life, spiritual disciplines into our life that will change us, that will shape us and mold us into what God really wants us to be. So as I've said in the past few weeks, just for opening remarks, just for the sake of building the foundation here, I'm going to challenge each of us this year to do some godly disciplines into our lives. And as your pastor, I want to see you with some disciplines that we will pray more. We talked about this in week one. We're going to pray more. We're going to fast more. We're going to get that discipline in our life that when, when nobody's telling you to pray, it doesn't matter because you don't need someone to push you to a place of prayer. But yeah. just because you want it, you desire it, that you're going to go to that prayer closet without anybody leading and guiding you there. You're just going to go because your desire for God is that strong. That you're going to fast because, not because pastor calls upon a church fast, but you're going to fast uh, your, whatever day that might be during the week. And, 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 and even if we're not in a corporate fast, you say, hey, no one's told me to, but I'm going to because now we have clarity and understanding what fasting does for us. 
and how it begins to draw us into a place that you cannot get into with simply just prayer. But prayer and fasting combined will take you to places that will completely change your life. To discipline ourselves to get into the word of God is what we're going to talk about today. Prayer and fasting is good. But if you stop there, you're selling yourself short. But if you pray and you fast and then you open up the word of God and you let the word of God begin to work on you. We've talked about this is a sword. It can be a sword. The Bible talks it's a sword. But I also said last week that this right here also can be a scalpel. That when you open it up and when you're praying and fasting, see when you're praying and fasting, before you get into the word of God, what you're doing is you are laying yourself on that operating table before God. You're saying, here I am. I've laid my flesh to the side. My desires are to the side. God, I'm seeking your face, Lord. I want to hear your voice. And God, here I am. Now I'm going to open your word. I'm going to get into this place where your word is. I'm going to let that word begin to scalpel. It's going to come in and begin to operate and begin to work. And it's going to begin to remove some things that I might not even realize that is there. You see, for us, we just simply thought this week, last week, that we just thought that it was a, a, a stomach bug, as I mentioned, for Huntley. We didn't realize until we took him to a place and laid him on a table for a doctor to examine him that we realized that it was something much more serious than just a simple bug that was going to just go away. And if we would just ignore it and just let it go, something horrible could happen. There's a lot of people in this room that there's been situations in your life that, that you could have just simply ignored it and just said, you know what, well, I, I, just, I could deal with this, but I, I just don't really feel like dealing with this. You see, what the word of God does, prayer and fasting will lead you to the operation table. And then the word of God will come in and begin to remove things from you. But when you get up, you'll be healthier than you ever were before spiritually. You're gonna be stronger than you've ever been before spiritually. That's why we must, we must pray we must needs fast and we must needs God's word in our life doing whatever it needs to do in my life. Amen. Next week we'll be wrapping this up. I was teasing the team in the office. I said we'll be wrapping up the series next week, maybe. maybe. I might keep it going, I don't know. <laughs> but next week we're gonna talk about righteousness. We need God's righteousness in our life. Amen. Amen. I want you to tell somebody around you, say, I love the word of God. Tell somebody else around you, say, I need the word of God. You see, it's one thing to love something and another thing to need something. It is. I love my wife. But I tell you right now, I need her. You can call her and tell her I said that. I need her. I think, my Lord, I don't know what I'd do without her. All you husbands, just better give a big amen right now. There's your chance. Amen. You need her. I don't, just, I don't just want her in my life. I don't just love her, but I need her in my life. It's the same way with the word of God. I love the word of God, but I, I understand I need the word of God in my life. I have to have it. How many brought your Bibles with you today? All right. Come on. I love to see that. If you remember a couple years ago, I challenged the church to start bringing your, your Bible with you. Um, now, now, Grace, I know you were wondering. She's running multimedia for me today. And I know you were probably panicking like, Pastor, why have you not sent me your notes yet? Why have you not sent me your scripture yet? I did it on purpose. 
Because I want you to understand something. That when this goes down, this never will. Amen. When the screens quit working, and trust me, we've had it happen. We came out on an Easter Sunday morning one time. Ben walked up to me. He said, Pastor, the light bulb just went out. I said, church starts like in an hour. He said, we can try to build scaffolding if you want to and try to fix it. And I said, nope, we'll survive. <laughs> we'll survive. Because technology, you can't really rely on that too much. But there's something, something powerful about the word of God being in your hand. There's something powerful about bringing this with you to church. So I encourage you, if you don't yet, and I'm not calling anybody out today. If you don't have it on you, you're fine. It's okay. But I encourage you to do that. And something else is kind of an, an old art that kind of faded away. Some of you still do it. Um, something else that is very um, powerful, I think, that I've, I watched throughout my years, is that to bring maybe a pencil and a pad with you and take notes that you can take with you on Sunday. Amen? For those of you who are currently taking notes, I know you are. You can shout amen. Yep, I see you from up here. Amen. I know you're not ignoring me. You're taking notes. It's all right. But we should bring our word, of, uh, the word to church with us. The first thing that you must establish when you talk about the word of God is this. And someone said it this way. I love this. Someone said that the Bible is not man's word about God, but it is God's word about man. So it's the most important book in our life. It's the word that is alive, right? It's, it, it's words are living. It, it's not something that is just dead. It's not just a book. It, it, it's words are alive in my life. And I know that the last part of that book was written 2,000 years ago. It goes all the way back, though, to around 4,500 years ago when it started being written. But the greatest thing about this book is that uh, it only has one author and that author is God and God alone it is not man's opinion you say but it was penned by man yes God God used these men that God God worked through these men to pen his words and I'm thankful that he did that so we have this today I'm thankful for that but it is God's word and God's word alone it is nobody else's word you see God gave us his word so we could know him so we could love him and so that we could live for him the way that he wants us to live for him. Amen? amen. Would you say amen, somebody? Amen. Hear me when I say this, that building a relationship with God is the most important decision you will ever make in your lifetime. It's even more important. Young people, hear me. It's even more important than the decision on who you marry. You say, but shouldn't you marry the right person? Absolutely. God has somebody for you? Absolutely. But if you have your nose in his word and you're praying and fasting, I promise you, you'll find that person when he wants you to. It's more important than the decisions of where you'll work or what career path you're going to take. It's more important than your decision of what college you'll go to or your decision to go to college or not. It's more important than your bank account this morning. It's more important uh, than who your friends are. It's, it's more important than your address or where you choose to live. The single most important decision that you will ever make in your life is to build a relationship with God through his word. 
And I'm here today to tell you that it is absolutely impossible to build a relationship with God without the benefit of the word of God in your life. You know it's cute, but we don't, we don't get to be like little three-year-olds that have that imaginary friend they play with and even talk to. Anybody had that? You know you did. Don't be embarrassed. You know you walked around talking to people like they were there. You had names for them. You were sitting down, had some of you ladies had, had tea with them. And some of you guys, you were out, you know, playing baseball with your imaginary friend. You'd hold the door for him when you came in the house. And everyone thought you were nuts, but we all did it as kids. It's cute, right? It's, it's cute when, when you're, you're a kid and you're doing that. But here's the thing. They're the only one that can see them. You're the only one that can hear them. You're the only one that can talk to them. And we say, oh, well, that's just childish. Well, but I know, hear me now. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just saying this. I know a lot of adults that have created their own little private religion and their own little private God that nobody else sees, nobody else hears from, nobody knows what they're saying but them. I've had some people come to me and say, well, God said, well, God said, God said. I said, are you sure God said that? Because there's been times what they said, well, God said, goes against what his word says. And I said, I don't think God contradicts his word. I'm pretty sure. So you cannot have a relationship with God unless you build it on the word of God. Not on our opinions, not on our feelings, not on what we want. But what does his word say? Building a relationship with God without the Bible would be like trying to drive your car home today without the engine in it. It's not going to move. It's not going to get you anywhere. So remove the word of God from your life. You're not going anywhere. The word of God is the engine. It's our power source. It's, it's what drives us. It directs us. It's that map in our life that we need to know how to get somewhere. You go to the word of God. It's, it's not optional on the road to a true relationship with God. You have to understand this morning that in order to live for him the way he desires for me to live for him, I must need God's word in my life. It's not optional. You have to have it. Prayer and fasting is not going to do it for you alone, but it is a combination of these things. You have to have it in your life. Yes, sir. You say, why do I have to have it, pastor? Why do I need his word so much? Well, because you cannot have him without his word. Well, why? How do you know that? Here's why. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So if you don't have this, you don't have him. It says in verse two, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Remember these scriptures. 
that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Look at that, what, it, what the word just spelled out for us. The word just spelled out for us, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And then the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus. So if the word is God, in verse one, and the word became flesh, that tells me that Jesus is God. The revelation that there's only one God. You're not gonna get to heaven and see three thrones. You're gonna get to heaven and you're gonna see one because nobody else reigns next to him or beside him in front of him. He says, I am the one and only true God and Jesus is my name. So when you allow the word of God into your life, you're allowing God into your life. Yeah. Opening up the word of God is like opening the door to your life and personally inviting God in. Think about that. When you sit down every single day, when you sit down and say, I'm taking out this time in my life to let the word of God speak, when you open up his word, you are actually opening up the door to your life and saying, God, come in. This is a personal invitation. I want you in my life. It tells him, I want you here. I want you in my life. But when we don't pray, when we don't fast, and when we don't open up his word, we are sending a message to him that is saying, I do not want you here. Think about that for a second. When you say, yeah, I just don't feel like reading it today. Well, I just don't have time to pray. I, I just don't have time. You're telling him I don't have time for you. You're telling him I, I don't want you in my house. Your word can just sit right there closed. I don't want you in my life today, God. I don't want you in my heart today. I don't want you ministering to me today. God, I, I, I just want you just to stay right there where you're at because I'll get to you tomorrow if I have time. His word tells us in Revelation 3 and 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. There's a lot of knocking going on, but there's a lack of answering. But God is standing. Church, this is where we're at right now. I'm telling you right now, in the hour that we are in as a church, this is why I'm preaching when I'm preaching. This is why next week I'm gonna talk about righteousness because we must need these things in our life. We have to have these things. If we're going to survive this in time, if you're not gonna be a part of that one, that, that group that's going to fall away, and the, the Bible tells us there will be a great falling away. And I, I spoke this, I spoke this about four years ago in this church. I, I was in the middle of preaching. The Lord told me, he said, there's getting ready to be a falling away. Speak it. And I, I, I fought it. I said, Lord, I don't want to say that. He said, speak it. I said, there's getting ready to be a great falling away. And then he said, tell them that there are some in this room right now that you, you just sat there and said, oh, I won't be a part of that. They're going to be a part of it. And I spoke that. And there are those that I never dreamed would be a part of it that walked out those doors and never came back. 
So I'm telling you right now that in this hour that the devil is fighting harder than he's ever fought before. And if you are not rooted and grounded and your foundation is not on the word of God, uh, there's going to come a shaking in your life uh, that you will fall away and you're going to find yourself in a pig pen somewhere like the prodigal saying, how did I end up here? And I'm praying and, and praying and hoping uh, that those that have walked away will have a come to themselves moment uh, before the trumpet sounds so they can come back. Uh, that's why we're doing a welcome home Sunday. Uh, it's a shaking. Uh, it's a saying, come on, come to, come to yourself. Uh, remember who you are. Remember who your father is. Uh, remember who bought you. Uh, remember who died for you. Uh, remember the church. Remember how it felt. Come to yourself before it's too late. I'm praying there's that moment. But I'm telling you right now, it says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. When you get that, if, if you remember that analogy last week when I pulled that chair down and I sat right there at the altar and I was, it was, I was trying to paint a picture, picture for you all that what it's like that when you begin to fast and you begin to pray, it's the same thing today. You can use that same analogy that when you open up the word of God, picture yourself sitting across the table with a one-on-one moment with Jesus. That's what you get when you open his word. It's a one-on-one. No, no distractions. We're not here with the group of people. It's not Sunday. It's not Wednesday night in a class. But you're here. You're here at that moment on a Monday morning, afternoon, evening, whatever it is. Or might be in your car on lunch. But you sit down and you open up that word. He's there. Why? Because this is who he is. Yeah. He's there. You have a one-on-one moment with him. He says, come on. If you answer the door, he said, I guarantee that I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. He's longing to come in. He'll go out of his way to get to you. Just as he did the woman at the well. That's why he said, I must needs go to Samaria. There was a day when he said, I must needs go to Athens or wherever it was in your life when you were sought out and wherever it was that you came to an altar that Jesus was saying, I must needs go to that place. Why? Because there are broken individuals who need a savior. You needed a savior. And when you needed a savior, he showed up. We must understand the need for God never goes away. I must needs God. I have to have him. I have to have his word in order to survive. I have to, it's the bread of life that I have to consume daily. It is something I have. If not, we'll grow weak in this hour. I have to have it. Why? Because we're living in rocky times. And but you know the great thing about living in rocky rocky times when you know who he is and you have his word I can live in rocky times because his word is my rock in the midst of rocky times He is my foundation The Bible is the foundation of our relationship with God. There's a reason that I ask you to bring your Bible with you to church. There's a reason that I ask you uh, uh, to to be here on Wednesday nights for Bible studies. Uh, I've really been digging in on Wednesday nights with the men's class and we've been talking about about holiness. Ladies, you're in like week nine of holiness talking about up here. We're in week two downstairs and we understand the men that we're made for more, that God has more for us, that, that God is calling men to rise 
rise up in this hour and say, I'm longing for righteousness in my life. I'm longing for the more, the more of the word of God in my life. I'm longing to pray. I'm not gonna put that off of my wife. I'm not gonna make her carry everything at home spiritually, but I'm gonna rise to the occasion in this hour and I'm gonna be the leader in my home. Yeah. But that only starts with a longing for righteousness, a longing for his word. We have to have that. You gotta build that foundation in this hour. There's a reason I encourage you to open it up in your homes and read it to your family and to yourself. It's because the Bible is the very foundation of who we are. Amen. It's the foundation of what we believe. I don't preach my beliefs up here. I don't get up here and just preach my opinions. But I made a promise to this church from day one that I will always preach the word of God and the truth from the word of God, no matter what. Whether it hurts, whether it feels good, whether it's the sword, whether it's the scalpel, whatever it might be, it's gonna be the word of God. If you live by the word of God, then literally you are, it is the foundation of your life. Think about that. It is the foundation of your life. Everything you are, everything you do, Every decision you make in your life, your family, your marriage, your job, your finances, everything about you is built upon the word of God. And if it's not, that's how it should be. But pastor-wise, it's so important that we build everything about our life on the word of God and according to the word of God. Matthew 7, 24, 27. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the, and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. It had a strong foundation. It says, but everyone who hears these words or these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat on that house and it fell. And, the great, and great was its fall. Yeah. Not just a small fall, but great was its fall. Because there was no foundation. There was no rock that what it was built on was gonna, was gonna quickly just move away. When, when, when the waves came in, if you've ever been to the beach before, you can stand on the sand, it's solid. But when the waves come in and begins to go back out, the sand underneath your feet begins to remove itself and you begin to sink down. It's the same thing in this life that if you're going to try to get through this life standing on the sands of this world, are standing on your opinions, standing on your feelings, standing on whatever it is that you want to stand on, that you're going to stand there and what's going to happen is before you know it, you're going to find yourself stuck and you can't move. But if you will plant yourself on the rock this morning, if you will plant yourself on the foundation of his word and say, I'm living by it, no matter what it says, if it's hard, that's fine. Challenge me, God. Convict me, God. Do whatever you have to do. But I'm not moving because I'm gonna stand on the rock. Let the waves come. Let the storms blow. Let the winds come. It doesn't matter because I'm planted on the rock. Life might be hard, but I'm planted on the rock this morning. It matters where you stand. It matters where you build. The word of God is real and the word of God is alive. 
The word of God brings life to a dying soul. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and is a a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's the word of God. I like how the NIV says it. It says it this way. It says, For the word of God is alive and active. It is alive and active. I don't know about you, but anybody have any alive and active kids in this place? Preach. Anybody ever babysit? Have a room or a house full of little kids? No, you're not questioning, are they alive? No, you're asking yourself, am I going to live through this? There's no question because it is evident to you there is life when they step through the door, it is evident, oh yes, they're alive and very well and very active and I think have a lot of sugar running through their veins right now. There's no question. But the same thing about the word of God takes place is when you begin to open it up in your life, you're not gonna have to question, well, is this thing alive? Is it active? Does it actually do anything? No. When it's released in your life, it's gonna be like those kids. You're gonna begin to feel it. You're gonna begin to see it. It's gonna be alive and active. And you're gonna say that situation I was dealing with yesterday, I opened the word of God and he spoke to it. It's not here in your tomorrow. It was here yesterday, but it's not here today because God spoke to it because it's alive and active hear me that in a world in a world that has artificial replacements for about anything these days they've got artificial plants anybody have artificial plants Abby I'm glad you're here I'm not picking on you because we have some artificial. I got one in my office. All right. So when I say this, don't take it personal because I'm talking to myself too because I have a, a fake plant in there. I thought, why do we have artificial plants? Well, this might not be the reason, but some people have them just because they're lazy. And they don't want to deal with actually taking care of live plants. And then there are some people I've heard it said, I just kill them. I can't keep them alive. I try, but they just keep dying. Right? But these artificial plants, they look pretty, but they never do anything. There's no scent. Artificial flowers don't smell. You can walk into Hobby Lobby, ladies. Maybe you go there and you walk them down. The, my wife goes and up all the flowers, all these artificial flowers. They look beautiful. They look real. But you get to them, it's like, it smells like plastic. What God intended to be there is not there because it's artificial. It's easier to maintain, but it's artificial. See, we have this thing now called artificial intelligence. It allows humans to have less intelligence. And trust me, it's clearly working. It is clearly, in the day and age we're living in, it is working. That's for sure. And then I heard just a couple weeks ago that in Australia, 
They now have artificial stakes. Not that you pound into the ground. Not those. I'm talking about a good old ribeye steak. They now have artificial stakes that you can print on a 3D printer. Sounds yummy. I'd like to feed it to the trash can, not even my dog. So all this artificial stuff is going on and all these artificial things are trying to replace what is real because it, a lot of it is just convenience. It's just a lot more convenient. That's why I wasn't really getting on to somebody about artificial plants. They are easier to maintain, but it is the convenience that drives you to buy them because you don't have to maintain them. They're just there and they never change. They never die. They're just beautiful. They're always there. But hear me this morning when I tell you there's a lot of things you can replace with an artificial world. But, but, I'm going to tell you right now that the artificial replacement of the word of God will never take place. Come on. You can never replace what his word says. Man can only, hear me, man can only create replacements for that which they have power over. But they will never replace that which has power over them. And he never loses power over them. Whether they think they've removed himself themselves from underneath his hand, he always has power. Satan thinks he can create all these things and take place of God. Satan thinks that he can imitate God and be an artificial version of God. I want you to understand, Satan, I'm talking to you this morning, that you will always be under his thumb. As real as it may seem, it is not real. And I'm talking to somebody this morning. As real as that situation may seem in your life, understand that God's hand is still covering it. And God makes the final decision of which way it goes and which way it turns. The devil can tell you all day long, it's artificial. It's a lie. It's not real. Because the only thing real, the only word that is real is the word of God in your life. And when the word of God speaks, it's final. There's one truth, one word, the true word, and there's no replacement for the word. Amen. The word of God is my anchor. It tethers my mind to the truth when the lies of the enemies are readily available and they're always available. Always available. His word, in his word, I find encouragement, I find peace, satisfaction, I find a solid ground to stand on. It leads to joy. It leads to joy. You can read Psalms. If you want to go to Psalms 119, you can read all about the word of God and what it does for you. It'll lead you to joy. The word, uh, the verse two says, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, uh, who seek him with their whole heart. Blessed are those. You find joy in it. It keeps us from sinning. The word of God does that? Yep. Verse nine in Psalms 119 says, how can a young boy... Or how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. So you've got a sin issue? You've got a sin problem you keep tripping into? Have you taken it to the word yet? Take it to the word. Let the scalpel begin to work. You say, but I can't get rid of it. I promise you the word can cut it out. 
put more of the word in you than you're putting whatever that is in you. Because when the word comes in, it begins to push other things out. And before you know it, you say, you know what? I just realized I don't do what I used to do anymore. Because the word of God comes in, it begins to purify. I love how David said, David said, purge me, oh God. Purge me, that means just think of a big old rushing wave of water coming through and just purging everything out of the way. The word of God will do that. It'll begin to purge you and push those things out. It'll keep you, it'll, it'll, it'll sustain you from that sinful life. It offers free counseling. Free? There's nothing free anymore. You're right, it wasn't free. He paid for this. Trust me. But in verse 20, 24, it says, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. It guards against the trap of self-seeking. Verse 36 says, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Incline my heart to your word, God, and not to my selfish gain. It gives us hope, verse 43, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules, God. It grants us freedom. It says, and I shall walk, in verse 45, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. It brings comfort in affliction. Verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. Verse 54, and it gives us something to sing about that says your statues have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. It anchors, it's an anchor of truth amidst the sea of lies. In verse 69, it says, the, uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, the insolent of smear me in the lies. And it says that with my whole heart, I will keep your precepts. It allows us to be an example to others. Yeah. Let, it, let those who fear you turn to me that they might know your testimonies. It offers us hope while we wait. In verse 81, my soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. Verse 92, it says, it sustains us during hard seasons. In your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. It gives us wisdom and understanding. In the world of chaos, it gives you wisdom and understanding. You say, what's going on, God? This world is crazy. What's going on? Guess what? God will give you understanding and wisdom. It keeps us from falling into the enemy's traps. It, it, it'll give you a path of the direction you need to go. It acts as a shield around us. It'll protect you. It helps us know the character of God. You want to know who God is? Get in his word. Read about him. You'll begin to see who he is, everything he is to you. It, it, it's how we experience the faithfulness of God because when you open this word every day, his faithfulness shows you because his word is always there and always alive. And it gives us peace. Verse 165 says, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I love his word. In closing, I wanna to read to you from Psalms 119, my favorite verse out of this whole thing today. It says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and it is a light unto my path. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In this room today, 
there are those who are dealing with some major darkness. There are some things that you've been dealing with that it has seemed like the lights of joy and the lights of hope and the lights of peace in your life have been slowly fading away. Yeah. That it is beginning darker in your life. You say, God, I don't know how much further I can go like this. God, I don't know, Lord. I don't know. God, what, what I used to see, God, I would come to church on Sunday. God, and it was there, Lord. I, I could see you. I could hear you. I could feel you, Lord. God, but there's some things in my life, Lord, that have come in and begin to overshadow that light. Remember that old song you used to sing in Sunday school, Hide It Under a Bushel? There are some of you in here It's been hidden for a while because of life's circumstances. There are those in this room this morning that used to shout that, no, hide under a bushel, no way, I would never do that. But you find yourself just going through the motions because the darkness has overtaken you and you're just getting day Today is where you're at. You've heard that, that saying that you're living check, paycheck to paycheck. You found yourself spiritually just living Sunday to Sunday. You're just trying to get through. You're trying your best. You're saying, Pastor, I just don't know if I can do it another week. The darkness, the, just, the, the, just the, the, the things of the world are just overtaking me. And I, I just don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can take it because it's so dark and I, I feel like I'm losing my way. I, I feel like I'm losing my path. I used to be so on fire for God and I, I used to be the first one there if we had prayer. You better believe I was gonna be there at 6.30 on a Wednesday night to pray but I'm really finding it hard to get there anymore, Pastor. I'm having a hard time getting to Bible study. I'm having a hard time opening my Bible. My Bible is currently sitting on a table at home. You might be saying this right now, sitting on my, on my nightstand and it has dust all over it because I haven't touched it in a long time. I haven't opened it. That bread of life, I haven't eaten it in a long time. And I'll be honest with you, Pastor, I'm just really malnourished right now spiritually. I'm on the brink of death. And that's where some of you feel like you are this morning. It might not be for everybody, but there's somebody in here this morning because that's why I'm saying what I'm saying because I felt that in prayer to tell you that this morning. See, but the thing is about this is that even though it goes dark, completely dark, and everything fades away, press go hit your lights. I really want you to feel this. You feel the atmosphere changed in here? Yeah. You feel like it just kind of got quiet in here. Everyone's thinking, what is happening right now? What is pastor doing? Why is he turning all the lights off in this place? It's 
kind of a little awkward right now, isn't it? Because the lights are off and you're in church. Like, why are the lights off and we're in church? Well, here's the thing. It becomes awkward. It becomes very awkward when the lights go out in your life and you don't know where God is anymore. You don't know where you're at anymore. But I'm thankful this morning to know this, that in the midst of darkness, nobody leave, please. Nobody leave the room. Nobody leave the room. Please stay here. In the midst of the darkness, the only thing that's going to pull you out is this. God, that your word is that lamp and that light to my feet. I don't even know where they're at right now. I can't even see them, God. I don't know where I'm going. But God, when I open up your word, there it is. There's that altar. It's been a long time since I've been there. But God, it begins to draw you back to an altar of repentance and an altar of restoration and you say God your word just open it up one time Lord I already feel it the light comes on the light is changing me I can get back to an altar I can be restored to who I used to be see that's the beauty of the word of God it is that bread that never it never molds it never goes bad it's sitting there waiting on you every day saying just open me up and I can restore you to who you used to be and I I can take you to something greater than who you ever were. But there's two things that I love about that verse right there. And this is why it's my favorite. Because no matter where I'm at in life, I know that his word can always be that lamp and that light. But here's the beauty of it. If you remember in the beginning of this message, I said, remember these verses. Because it talks about that light inside of us when it is active. The beautiful thing about that is what takes place is when somebody else is sitting in the dark. And you're walking around and you've got the light inside of you shining. The light becomes a beacon to the lost world around you. And they're saying, I don't know. Have you ever seen a lighthouse before? In the darkness, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You've never seen it before. Before the Lord comes, go see one in the darkness. Because the whole time out there for those sailors in the midst of the stormy seas, that's why it's there. Because they don't know which way to go. They can't see all they're looking for. They're looking for that lighthouse that never stops turning. It just keeps turning. And what happens? It gives them direction. So when someone is sitting in the darkness at your work, or family members are sitting in the darkness, what you can do, the beautiful thing that you can do is this is that you can go find somebody who's sitting in the darkness and say, listen, listen, it worked for me. I know it can work for you too. And you just grab them and say, hey, come with me. Will you come to church with me? I know you're dealing with a lot of stuff right now. And I know that you're going through a lot of junk right now. You don't have the answers. But guess what? God's word has the answers. Come with me. Let me take you to church. Let me show you what the light's gonna do for you. And you can lead somebody to an altar that will change their life forever. That's the power of the word of God. He will be a lamp. He will be a lamp for you. He will be a light unto your path. And not just you, but somebody else when the word of God is active in your life. That's why you must have it because you can change your life and someone else's life. But only when 
the light is active in your life. Thank you. So if, if we're truly going to be who we say we are, and if we're going to say, oh, I'm going to love God, and I'm going to love people, I'm going to make disciples, those three things hinge on this. If you love God, you'll be in his word because this is who he is. If you love people, this will be active in your life as the light shining into a dark and dying world. And if you're ever going to make disciples, this has to be opened and it has to be read and it has to be taught. And that's what we are called to do while we're waiting for him to return. As the lights come back up, let's stay in this place. And I'm calling anybody this morning. Thank you, Sam, before I even say anything. Thank you. If you want the light to be active in your life, if you want the word of God to be active in your life, I'm inviting you this morning just to come and have a time with him in the altars and just say, God, I want it. God, that's who I want to be, Lord. I, I want that light to shine. God, I, I want to be, I want to be that house, Lord, that, that is shining light out from it, Lord. God, I want to be that individual, Lord. God, that when I walk into a place that people don't see me, but they see your light. Those that are broken and hurting God around me. God, that when, they, when I come in the room, I don't bring more darkness, but I bring your light to the situation. Because your word is active in me. Your word is shining from me, God. God, because I consume it daily, Lord. I consume it in me, God. I'm so full, God, that it's just coming out, Lord. And everywhere I go, the light is being shown, Lord. God, it's there, Lord. God, I want it. I want it. Come on, if you're in this place this morning, nobody needs to know if you're in this place this morning. And maybe this is where you've been that you say, I've covered that light for a long time, Pastor. I've covered that light up. I haven't been in his word. It collects dust. It doesn't do anything. It's not active and alive in my life because I won't let it. I, I, I tell you again in Revelation where it says, I stand at the door and I knock. God's knocking on the door of the hearts of people in this place this morning. He's saying, come unto me. Come unto me. Get in my word. Let my word minister unto you. Let my word challenge you and convict you. Let my word restore you today unto who you used to be. And let my word take you to a place you've never been before. Let it help you grow. Trust in my word. Trust in my word this morning. For his word says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. His guarantee is that every day you're going to find it. When you open it up, his word's going to be there. It's going to be alive and active in your life every day. I long for your word, God. I need your word, God. I must need the word of God in my life. It's not optional, Jesus. God, because eternity never ends, Lord, and there's a lost and dying world, God. I gotta save myself, God, but I gotta reach other people too. And your word has to be active, Lord. They've gotta see your word in me. God, I want to teach it, Lord. I want to spread it, Lord. The gospel, the good news, Lord, that's in there, Lord. I want to spread that.
I want to tell somebody there's hope. There are those right now who are considering taking their life in this world because they don't think there's hope. But I just want to scream from the mountaintop this morning, there's hope. I want to be that lighthouse this morning in Athens. I want this church to be a lighthouse. I want you to be a lighthouse. And when you walk on the job or when you walk into Kroger or when you stop at the gas station or wherever, that, wherever you go, you walk in and there's a light that is shining. And you're crying out to those around you without saying a word. And you're saying, I know the storms are crazy and they're hard. But here's a light of hope. Just follow the light. Let me teach you. Let me show you his word. That's the only thing that's going to keep you. That's the only thing that you're going to stand on that's not going to move. Everything around us is moving. Everything around us is artificial. Everything around us is going crazy. But God, let the church stand on your word in this hour and refuse to move. I'm not getting off, God. I'm staying on your word. God, we're going to build, Lord. God, we're going to build in the physical, Lord. We're going to build a new building, God, but we're building the church, God, upon a solid foundation of your word. And we're not moving, God. I refuse to move, God. I'm not taking shortcuts around it. I'm not going through and cutting out what doesn't make me feel good. I'm not going through and cutting out and taking shortcuts around, God, these things. Lord, if your word says it, God, let me live it out, Lord. Let me strive, oh God, for it. I long for it in my life, Jesus. Come on, one more time. Lift your hands in this place. Begin to talk to him. Would you pray that prayer that David prayed? God, search me and purge me, Lord. God, if there's anything that's blocking the light, God, purge it from me. Come on, let there be a good cleansing this morning. Let that light shine through again. It's been hidden too long. It's been hidden too long. You're a lighthouse. God's called us to be a lighthouse. He's called you to be a lighthouse. Let the light shine because that light is going to save you and that light is going to empower you to go out and shine into the darkness. And his word tells us that the darkness can't even comprehend this light. But God will reveal himself through his word to your family, to those lost co-workers. Because people are hungry and they don't know where to turn. They're standing in darkness. They say, I don't even see my feet anymore. I don't even know where I'm at. And their head's spinning, but they're looking for someone that's going to show up with the light. And say, follow me as I follow him. I'll lead you to safety. I'll lead you to a place your life can be changed. Oh, God. Over these next couple of weeks, let that be our mission, God, for prodigals. That we'll go find them where they're at, God. 
and say, listen, we're not here to judge you. We're here to love you. We're here to restore the light that used to shine so bright in your life. I'm here to restore it. I'm here to show you the way back. Get you back to the Father's house. Because there's a work to be done. The Bible tells that the field is white and ready with harvest, but the problem is the laborers were a shortage with laborers. God restore the laborers that walked away. God, let us reach for them again. Let there be a search and rescue with the light we have within us. Let us go to the dark places, Lord. Let us reach out in those places and shine the light, Lord. And begin to speak and say, it's not over. It's not hopeless. It's all right. You're going to be okay. God's going to restore you. Shine the light that is active within you. Your word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, God. It is a light unto my path the path laid out before me that path thank you Lord for the light I thank you for the light I thank you for the light this morning thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you for it Lord I thank you for it Jesus can we just do that can we just have gratitude come across this place begin to thank him for the light Come on, can you begin to thank him this morning for the word of God that is alive and active in your life? Come on, some of you wouldn't be here this morning if it wasn't for the word of God spoken to you. Come on, some of you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a word that came to you when you opened up his word and began to read it. And God began to speak to what you needed to hear in that moment. Come on, thank him this morning. Hallelujah, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.